The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Spotify at an all-time low. Joe leaves for L.A. And Scooter Braun calls out Taylor Swift. You're listening to The The Biz Biz Tape. Welcome to The Biz Tape, your all-things music business and media podcast. I'm your host, Colin McKay. With my lovely in-person co-host, yes, Joseph Wazaleski. I am in person today, and for those of you who are not aware, I will not be in person. Joe is dying from at the end now of this on. Episode, yeah, I, the my death plane. is happening tonight. Um, you're all invited to the funeral. There's going to be gray flowers. Uh, we're going to have poinsettias. We're going to have Christmas trees. And this we're just gonna sounds have, like Christmas. What the fuck? What? We're going to have a nice little ceremony with the wreath and the whole thing. This is Christmas. You're I, just describing I Christmas. I forgot to Christmas, tell you, Colin, I'm lazy. Jesus. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, but... Um, Joe is bigger Colin, than Jesus, like the Beatles. No, no. <laughs> Please don't Put call that me on the record. Um, but what Colin is referring to is um, I am moving to Los Angeles. To be uh, our Los Angeles correspondent. And yes, no other exactly. Reasons. And by correspondent... Uh, it will be me in my room. No, yeah, I, that's the only reason he's moving is, <laughs> is to pay be, more rent. Is to pay really, more rent, that's the, and so he can be my Los Angeles correspondent, and I can go, Joe, what's going on in LA out there? What's going on in the streets? And I'll just say, it's pretty sunny out yeah. here. <laughs> and then Colin's like, great. Now back to the weather. Right, exactly. That car was like six miles away. And now it's five miles away, and it's been two hours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's actually the rest of the podcast now is just going to be me and L.A. traffic. 
And uh, we're just going to... Because that's where you'll find the time. Yeah. <laughs> that's where you'll really get the time back. Yeah, no, Joe's, Joe's moving out there. It is know. funny because like when we record this podcast, it is, uh, it's 7 our time. But um, Four, in LA baby. time, it's gonna, it's be, gonna be five traffic. It's gonna be traffic central, oh, baby. Yeah. No, but you're moving out there with your partner, who is a, another music business professional, and yep. uh, should be pretty fun. I think it. I think it's gonna be fun. I think we'll talk about it a little bit more later, more in depth. But uh, I think it'll be interesting to talk to you about like I'm gonna what's try it like to get. Going, I'm gonna try to get the LA ins. No, baby. That, I'm want, gonna be. I'm gonna be sneaking into the you. Warner lot. We might make it a normal thing. I want the LA correspondents to go. Joe, how's it out there? What's different from Nashville? Like, what's it like? And that's just me in a helicopter going. Oh, you know, Colin, it's pretty great. You know, there's there's lots of things happening. Ariana Grande's birthday is coming up. Then we got. Um, what's another artist? I like that in the helicopter, you basically yeah, serve the purpose of an the Hollywood news. sign. <laughs> it's actually not. I'll, I'll, it'll just all be green screened and you'll never know. Oh my God. Yeah. But yeah, it, we'll talk about it later, but we'll, we'll go into the main thing. First off, we got Spotify. Ooh. Uh, which Green, you can, which Spotify. You, which you can rate us on Spotify right now if you're listening. You can. Other There's a little star icon at the top of or our Or follow channel. us on our social media or in the newsletter I do every Friday. Anyway, I forgot to do that. What, so, what was that? Uh, <laughs> newsletter. Anyway, so they're in the linked in the bio. Anyway, so Spotify, we got destroyed. <laughs> Spotify yes. is getting just destroyed. Dragged. Just dragged um, through the dirt. So Spotify is getting destroyed, but like I said a couple months ago when it was first getting destroyed, I guess, <laughs> I thought, oh, well, it's not all the Rogan thing. It's not all that, which it still isn't. And I thought, but this is probably it. And then now it's just getting worse. Yeah. So Spotify, in the wake of the golden age of Netflix being declared over after big losses and subs and Elon alleging big changes to come to Twitter after his acquisition, is down to the lowest of the lows. Spotify started basically, like I was saying, down a sinking hole or sinking ship, whatever metaphor fits your boat. I like uh, sinking hole. They they started going down the sinking hole after Joe Rogan's controversy when Neil Young and a bunch of other artists brought to the forefront about Rogan misinformation when it came to COVID-19. Now, I know a bunch of my grassroots people are like, yeah, we showed them right. We're beating them. And I'm like, sorry. Actually, the worst answer for you grassroots people, capitalism is beating them. Oh, no. And it's not good. So Spotify had a fall in stock after that whole controversy thing because it really like took down a lot of people's uh, optimism of the service in the interim when it came to Joe Rogan and other stuff, but specifically because of issues when it came to their financial reports, Mm -hmm. when they first came out, like they were having issues with uh, coming out of the pandemic in, you know, real lockdown times, that giant growth they had in the pandemic. And, now it's like back to reality. For instance, a year ago, the all-time high of the stock was $364 a share. Mm-hmm. And after the Rogan controversy, it went down to what I thought was a low of $150 uh, to $170. Call it an all-time low. <laughs> yeah. I this is a music podcast? I, I did say all-time low, didn't I? No, I said all-time, all-time high. All-time high. That's the cover band yeah. all-time low. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so the, I, I thought that was the low. We all thought that was the low. Well, now the Q1 numbers have come out for Spotify, and it has fallen to $96 a share Ooh. as of last Wednesday. But Affordable. As re- but his recording has gone up to $106. Uh, so it's rallied a little bit. 
But at that $96 price, Spotify is down 60% since the start of 2022 and nearly a quarter of its size when Spotify was at its peak. So if you invested money in Spotify at its peak, you would have lost three quarters of your money by now. Whoa. <laughs> that's yeah. insane. No, everybody thinks... I'm sure the stockholders like, are uh, very you know, impressed. That's a lot of numbers, but then when I put it in that, that's what I'm going to do. I'll be like, yeah, you lost three quarters of your paycheck. Sometimes you like to take your stockholders on a little roller coaster ride. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you a little bit for the go, fun of it. Yeah, you know how like you're dropping in a roller coaster and you so, feel your groin just like shoot up inside your body? That's what Spotify loves to do. And that's what capitalism does best. So here's what happened with the capitalism part of it. Basically, the Q1 report came out, and the first thing that caught some people was that Spotify expected about 3 million new subscribers. Mm -hmm. But then they jettisoned 1.5 million Russian subscribers from their business. Oh. Because they cut off deals from Russia. So that was definitely hard to go over, Mm -hmm. but... And me and Music Business Worldwide's opinion, they did pretty well. They ended up with 2 million subscribers. So, you know, it kind of balances out a little yeah. bit, you know, 1.5, whatever. But still, shareholders who are interested in making that ROI are not happy about it. Spotify even showed a 21% increase in growth, gross profit margin, which literally just means how much money they take in versus how much they spend. Mm-hmm. But guess what? Capitalism did not like that. Most investors were looking for about a 30%. They wanted that to increase by 30%. Damn. The reason why? Spotify's podcast investments. It all went back to Rogan, baby. Oh, no. (laughs) After he got that 100 mil. Yeah, a, a lot of the investors basically, and I've seen it, throughout like the financial space were hoping that these podcast investments would be more lucrative now as opposed to later if they ever will be as lucrative as they want it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here's another fun fact for you. Big investors in Spotify, especially way back in 2008, were Universal and Sony. Mm-hmm. And they are feeling the downsides, baby. Universal owns about 3.37%, while Sony owns 2.27%, which is, you know, so it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're a billion dollar, you know, multi billion dollar company, it's a lot of money. Yeah. And so, you know, again, it's a sizable investment. They're, it, they're down so much compared to, you know, where they bought some of these from. You know, you have to think that. In 2008, they were like, green pastures, Spotify will conquer everything. We will keep this forever. And After now the housing here. crisis, they were just like, bye, 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 Literally. this Spotify. <laughs> and so Universal seems to be the most in the red, owing all, owning all of its original stock that it bought from 2008. Mm-hmm. While Sony used to own 5.7%, but sold half of it in 2018, making around $768 million from that sale. Damn. And funny enough, in the weirdest, like, circular logic thing I've seen in a while, Sony claims that it then shared this money with artists while notably overlooking their unrecouped balances, which probably those unrecouped balances come from Spotify's low payouts. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, like, really cyclical logic. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we know you owe us money because Spotify and all these streaming services don't pay as much as CDs. Mm-hmm. So we're going to cut you a break. Aren't we nice? You know, like... That kind of logic. So I've named two of the the big three labels. We got Sony and Universal. So guess what? Warner was also involved. But they seem to have basically made so far in, you know, this day and age right now the smartest decision. They sold all of their Spotify stake in 2018, the same quarter as Sony. 
Ooh. And so they made $504 million from that sale, and they had a lesser stake than Sony. Um, but they also shared 25% of that money with their artists, but they didn't overlook unrecouped balances. So if you owe Warner money for your album or for paying a producer of yours or touring or whatever, they're, they're going to take the money first. Yep. So I'm like, come on, man. Be cool. Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, what, what is with that? Colin, I don't think the big three know what cool is. I, they do not. <laughs> no, it's sadly they do, but like, they don't know about being a nice guy, I guess. A cool guy. Cool They know about guy. being cool. They don't know about being a cool guy. I love that so, video. Cool guy. Yeah. Uh, Hervé Felipe, who is the CFO of uh, Vivendi, said on an earnings call in late August 2020, when Vivendi still owned Universal, that Vivendi had and slash Universal had no intention to sell our stake in Spotify, which is a very good partner to us. But important to note, Universal isn't majority owned by Vivendi anymore after it went public. Hmm. So it's up in the air as well as Sony's stake, what they're going to do as Spotify has been kind of on the down for so long. Yeah. Um, Although, to be honest with you, an important thing we can talk about when we get to kind of open discussion is the leverage of being a shareholder can be pretty valuable in this case, especially when you own two to three percent of these companies, especially when you're trying to be like, hey, don't don't mess with us. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the main marketplace for our music. Uh, if Universal did ever sell, they claim that they would share proceeds like Sony with artists not with like not looking at their unrecouped money. So just being like, hey, here's a cut of it. Again, also, this is getting split like a shit ton of ways. I don't want you to think that it's like six hundred million dollars like Oprah. You get a million and you get a million and you. <laughs> it's like, no. And that's kind of the thing about it that I don't like is it's not like at least in the Warner thing. They said 25 percent of the money. Universal's like, it could Whatever. be anything. <laughs> it's like, we could give you the, you know, there's a old joke where it's like, uh, I won the uh, give to charity slice. Mm -hmm. And that's basically what they would give you is like the smallest thing. Who knows? So the stock is rallying a bit. I will say not to go all, you know, Spotify has no future or anything, but it's still very uncertain. Uh, Daniel Eck, who's the CEO of Spotify, who we talked about a lot on here, is going to have a very tough hill to ride on as there's even more calls for Spotify to increase its pay rates for artists, both legally when it comes to the songwriter and publisher front, which them, Apple Music, and a bunch of other distributors are fighting against in terms of like the mechanical royalty rate going up, which is determined by the government. Mm -hmm. And then they're also socially having a really bad time you know, coming from the Joe Rogan part and all these people going, what the fuck, Spotify? Why are you paying $100 million for this person that's spreading misinformation? Mm -hmm. And uh, now they're, you know, and even then they weren't like, Spotify, God, we love those guys. They're so <laughs> they're good. They're our favorite. God, they're so good. They're, they're so, so nice. cool, man. Yeah. They pay artists a living wage. They pay artists. <laughs> Did you know that can happen? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's... They Did were you not... know that they make money? <laughs> so, you know, the, at the end of the day... All stocks are kind of based on how public perception is and investor perception is to an extent. So if you don't have good public perception and you don't have good, uh, you know, I go, let's say capitalistic perception, like you're going to make a bunch of profit and stuff like that, mm -hmm. you may see the stock fall from, you know, to one fourth of its value, which it yeah. is now. 
So, yeah, let's get into this. First off, Joe, I, we talked about it yesterday, or last week, yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. <laughs> we talked about it last week with Twitter, tech bubble. Do we think it's happening? Like, the bubble is popping. Is, burp- is, is burping and bursting? Um, I think yes, to a degree, somewhat. We've seen Netflix. We've seen yeah. Twitter have a little bit of an upset, you know, mm-hmm. with all the buying and stuff. I think, like, I'm going to chop it in half here. I'm just going to talk about Netflix and then Twitter because I, I do feel like it is kind of a different situation. They're two different things. Yeah. Uh, so Netflix, like, people are mad mostly because of uh, what I've seen is the huge cut of um, original series projects. They went, uh, they they had a huge loss of stock. They started firing and liquidating staff, basically. And, all, and well, you you have to remember this was also in retaliation to investors mm-hmm. who expected to gain two million subscribers, and then they came up with losing two hundred thousand subscribers. Yeah. So, so a lot of the things you're saying are in post to the investor backlash. Yeah, exactly. And so there was a lot of fast decision making, which actually feel like did the polar opposite of what they were trying to do, which was uh, they were trying to strengthen, but instead it strangled. Um, And yeah, I think if we're looking at Netflix as a company, at least this is my opinion on Netflix is um, we need more boss baby. Yeah. We need more boss baby. We need more selling sunset. (laughs) Get rid Um, of all of the original programming and just put boss, just boss baby. Just make it boss baby effect. Sorry. Can I, before you go to your point, that's a joke about, if you don't know, is that Netflix cut so much of its original <laughs> animation and was and like, like, we need literally more bots, said, <laughs> literally said, we need to have more higher priority investment, you know, ROI properties such as animated did boss, boss baby. maybe even do that well? I don't think it did. Well, here's the thing that's fun about streaming because at least with like a box office number, there's like a third party involved with like the actual, you know, the movie theaters. They're the ones actually validating, hey, this is how many tickets were sold. We did it here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the problem with streaming a lot of the time, other than directly going with DSPs and trying to figure out traffic based on that, is that the subscriber numbers, Netflix has to report to their shareholders. But the way they figure out what's more profitable and what's less profitable is, you know, mostly on Netflix. It's not a straight line like it is with a movie where it's like, yeah, all the theaters say that they sold 7 million tickets. Yeah. I just want to point out uh, Boss Baby made $520 million. um, And I just want to say I am ashamed of you for going to see Boss Baby because I know statistically we have some listeners who went to go see it in theaters. We have to statistically. Statistically, there's at least there's one. some Boss Baby fans that are also fans of us, and I there's just want to say that I'm disappointed. There's a couple. I mean, it might be hilarious. Someone at at Boss Baby find some clips for me, and maybe I'll be like, "Ha, that, that we were wrong." You, you know? know, I I just uh, I can't do it. But so the tangent's yeah, over. But I, I do think Netflix is from from this standpoint, right? It's these tech companies that you know, social media and these streaming companies. What they do, right, is they are putting so much money up front and they're trying to yep. they're trying to just spend and hemorrhage as much money as possible so that they can innately be the only people in the game. And they and, all tried to do and that. And they all tried to do that. And guess what? They forgot that there are other companies with more money who can also make streaming and social media. And services. again and again, <laughs> Netflix is out of a lot of the major streaming platforms, the only one that's 
it's a huge company, but it's the only one that's really independent in terms of, you know, Amazon is backed by Amazon, Hulu yeah. is backed by Disney, well, Disney and that's Plus the is thing, backed by Disney, you know what I that's mean? That's the thing, uh, I feel like we shout them out all the time, but Trillionaire Mindset um, talked about, you know, this specific issue of Netflix and streaming services and how, you know, where, where do we go, right, if we can't find a movie on any streaming service for quote-unquote free, right? We go to Amazon and we rent it. That's like where it's at usually, or YouTube, YouTube or, you, or Amazon, or you Amazon. just or you Google where it is. Yeah, you Google where it is wherever. and you go from there. But um, Netflix has lost a lot of these rights to these huge shows over the past couple of years, and they they're losing these these rights to these bigger, more uh, grandfathered in studios that are able to sustain a streaming service. As well as traditional cable. So like, right? okay, here's the thing. Bring him back to Spotify, right? Netflix was the poster child and kind of seen as the of health of, of movie and TV streaming. Yeah, in media. In the same way, we can kind of see Spotify, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a very much a forecaster of how the, ima- uh, the image of streaming is and the industry as a whole. Even though, you know, like Netflix, the entire industry should not be dictated by the image of one company, but it just kind of ends up that way because well, they, they were, were the, the first. forefront. They were Same. the first to do it. So, so that's why I think they're very synonymous with each other. But I'm wondering if you know Spotify has the same problem as Netflix where investors and other things are seeing a more of a negative future and go, well, this might be the end of the golden age of Netflix. Maybe as somebody, do you personally think that this could be like for Spotify, like, oh, this is the end of you know Spotify just going no. horrendously up. No, I mean I I feel like there's still a lot that Spotify can do to change. Um, I think that they do need to. I think their biggest thing is with these numbers coming out. They specifically in the industry they need to figure out the payment system like way more in the royalty payouts. I um, think for me, uh, yes, but for the industry, for, if I was a Spotify executive, right, I'm fighting very hard against that because at the end of the day, you want to you want to Get your shareholders their investments. And there's nothing, it's going to be extremely difficult to cut cost elsewhere. Where I think they fucked themselves, for lack of a better term. I mean, that's a good term. Yeah, is, is these big podcast investments that are now, as you said, panning out poorly. And and not having enough return. I think it. personally that they should have been more involved in the revenue stream of the podcast. They should have been of, building up instead of just pooling money at the top. They are trying their best to have like a page. Like first off, I feel like they went twofold with it. At first, when they said it, they were pulling the old style again, akin to Netflix, where they said this will lead to more subscribers. More subscribers lead to more money. Yeah. Right. Like. Rogan's off everything else. You have to come to Netflix or I'm sorry, or Spotify. See, I even get them confused saying it, but like same kind of business model. But then I felt like, and we've talked about it a lot on the show is that they pulled a move where they went, well, we're going to put out all these tools for podcasting to natively attract podcasters. But also I felt like they were trying to go into Patreon's kind of goal for a while where they said, Hey, or YouTube has done the same thing where it's like, would you like to join the channel for $5 a month? Yeah. AKA, kind of an exclusive 
get the cut on the top. Yeah. Which I don't think is that bad of an idea. I don't but think I it is either. Like they needed to start with that. Yeah. I, I think it. it's hard to kind of get that more involved, especially with the community being so used to it already being available. But you know, um, like by the rumor, sell the news. I remember when like Joe Rogan got that hundred million dollar deal. It wasn't like, you know, obviously a Joe Rogan fan, even no, even Joe Rogan fans were like, really? Yeah. Like, you know, like, <laughs> like with Joe Rogan, but it's not the guy who did DMT. Like casually? for instance, I just feel like if it was like, did you guys haggle at all? Or did you just be like, we'll give him an offer. I literally think, I think it's like any of these big businesses, right. That are just Do like, it. they're getting all of this investment up front, And they're just like, we have all of this money to play with. And they don't understand that, you know, at the end of the day, you really do have to sell a product, a, a, a whether it be ex- experiential, whether it be physical, whatever, you have to sell a product. And for them, I think they, they didn't realize that it has to be, it has to be continuous. And if it's not growing, then people think automatically it's dead. And I, I think that them and Netflix had a, leg up on the competition of these, you know, more traditional companies coming into the space that they didn't have expertise in. Yeah. You know, Amazon, for instance, it, it, it was a trading and shipping company. I wouldn't be like, of course, Amazon, the street, you know, five, 10 That's years true, ago. But and I so mean, the idea was, is that I think they thought, and they maybe rested on their lulls a two bit because they went, well, we're the biggest, we have a leg up on everybody. Well, and, to give Amazon some credit, they did have audiobooks. Before anybody else did. No, they had they bought Audible, yeah. which is different. That's what I'm That's saying. I, they didn't they, start a company. They bought Audible, <laughs> which is very different and why they have so much more power well, compa- compared to Netflix and Spotify. Amazon is the Facebook of streaming, where it's just they're going to buy anything that's cool. I just think the thing with them is that they had a leg up and then they failed to keep their leg up. And I've been talking for weeks about streaming and how homogenized it is, Mm -hmm. how all of it feels the same. And that's the problem for Spotify is because they all went to this race to the top and then they got comfortable and they decided, well, we're too big to fail. It's always a too big to fail thing. And then they realize we don't have enough capital to go against these companies. Do I think that Spotify is going to fail? No. Do I think Netflix is going to fail? No. But it's going to be a great market shakeup. Yeah, this is going to be something that they're going to have to fix, Um, which I do think they will. There's plenty of smart people working at their legacy is still there. Yeah. People know like, oh, yeah, Spotify is streaming. And I understand that personally opinion. I I think it's incredible how much content that Netflix pushes out. Like, I think it's great too. I think it's insane. But in not only like content just in general, but, but like good content and like grabby content that people love to watch. Do I think that they need to start diversifying more? Absolutely. I think they're they're going a little too much into like maybe the reality TV department. Whereas, well, I just, yeah. And it felt like, what are you doing to make it unique? Instead of being like, hey, let's play catch up. Let's try to do some interesting things here. Yeah. And Which like, is like why the charm of Netflix at the beginning, like so many people got involved in it, is because these shows that they were putting out were so different than what was on cable. And yeah, and easier said than done. I get it. Like, you, I can say whatever I want on here about being like, just innovate. It's easy. Make a viral <laughs> video. No, but like... Make a million dollars. Just do it. Right. It's super and so easy, man. That, that's kind of the thing with it, is that like, 
I do think that Spotify needs to try some things and try a change. And I almost feel like I'm echoing the Grammys when we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, where I'm like, what do you have left to lose? Just do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm like shaking them. I'm like, I you do think, <laughs> I do think it is like the way it's structured though. It is, it is so hard to get a return as an investor. You have to, you really do have to ride the wave. Eventually these companies will crash. It might not be soon. I don't think it's going to be. Soon. I don't think it's as. I don't think it's a crash. I think it's a descent. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like a Napster. Like, like a Napster. Like yeah. literally Napster. But you know, obviously Napster started with a business model that was extremely less traditional. God, like, if we're stuck with fucking uh, what is the NBC one? NBC streaming. Uh, Peacock. Oh, Peacock. if we're stuck with Peacock. As the only option, I'm going to be so sad. Well, and that's kind of the thing is like they had a leg up and now what do I have to say other than, you know, every streaming service now has a show that everybody wants to watch or, you know, in music streaming case, it has all music on it. So you've lost that. So what makes you different Spotify? You know what I mean? Other than me being able to be like, oh, you were the first one. So you have history. It's like I could go into UI differences and UI changes. That's fine, but every company has their own little premium plan now, their own bundle, which Spotify, I don't blame you, is incredibly, you are an independent company compared to a lot of these in terms of like, you can't bundle it with Amazon Prime or you can't bundle it with your Apple, you know, subscription or anything. Mm -hmm. You cannot compete there. So you have to compete somewhere else. And I wonder what, and I think they thought it was podcasting, but I think they might've for right now, not put their eggs in the, you know, maybe gone a little too hard on podcasting, but specifically the way they take the money from the podcasting, I think has hurt their business. I think if they went and tried to go into Patreon way, you know, and say, Hey, it you would have subscribe the subscriber model moment one. Well, if you and, waited and two it, years and you didn't get Rogan, whatever, you're going to get a 20% cut from 50 other podcasts. Worth. Yeah. You know, I also think ads too are just not as powerful on podcasts as, as they think like ad buyers do not are starting to get wind of the 15 second skip. Right. And that's why well, it's advertising so, evolves. So like and advertising that, and evolves, we've seen but that in podcasting too, it's we've like seen, you have to make interactive ads. We've seen though that like, Hit me up. Be, anyway, uh, <laughs> but because of that too, like ads, right. There's so many ads in podcasts now. Right. And it's, it's one of those things that, like, it's shifted over time. You, you used to have maybe, like, two mid-rolls. Now it's, like, five. And, like, and, and so with that buildup, it's, um, I feel like a lot of people are starting to get a wind of it on both sides. And ads are not having as much turn turnout on their links as they would want, right? Yeah, right. And so, okay, Let's uh, end up with this poll. So I asked everybody, Spotify's stock has tanked for the last year. Does Spotify tanked. need massive change to rally back? And I got a pretty synonymous response from Twitter and also from Instagram. Uh, Instagram is about 75% of people say yes. And then, you know, obviously 25% no. And then for Twitter, we have 60% said yes and 50 per, or 40% said no. So th it seems that people are willing and want you to take a chance. It's just obviously 
it's scary because I feel like as a company, I bet they're like, we took a chance with podcasting and look at us. And I'm like, <laughs> look at us now. And it, it kind of feels like to me, and obviously I get it. I'm not a, I, I don't own a multinational company. I'm not a CEO. It's more complicated than this, but it really does feel like an execution thing where they mm-hmm. thought like, Hey, let's use this model from seven years ago when Netflix in like 2012 was buying shows left and right. And let's just buy podcasts and mm-hmm. not put any other monetization with it and not have a conversation where it's like, hey, what if uh, we roll you guys out and there's a subscribe button and you can't be on Patreon, but you can pay like they can directly donate to you for six dollars a month and we get a dollar. You know what yeah. I mean? Or something like that. And they're rolling it out now, but it's too late. Like it's just, you already have so much negative response towards the, you know, atmosphere that it makes consumers want to go away from Spotify to, you know, especially with payment. Yeah, I think it's difficult. I mean, it it really is difficult. We haven't seen, we've seen in the past businesses, right? Like this, that just hemorrhage money and, and they ride this wave, but I haven't seen a business just completely make a monopoly monopoly out of it before. What out of a business? Well, out of this, their, their method, right. Is to be the only person in town. That right. can bring this product to people, but now that's not the case anymore. But I've never seen in history where, you know, you hemorrhage all this money, you're the only person in town. There's always going to be competition. That well, comes the along. idea is that you want to be really an oligarchy with the couple people. You know what I mean? Yeah, which I think Netflix was for a while before Peacock came out. Before the <laughs> the golden got age, so saturated. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's like it's so saturated. I also think that a lot of consumers are getting sick and tired of. The constant struggle to find something. Um, personally, I, I do think like Spotify, Netflix, I'm, I'm going to use them for a long time. I, I, I think they're still amazing products. I, I feel like they still bring amazing things to the table. But do I blame you from going away from it? No. No, absolutely not. I don't because at the end of the day, I've seen how Spotify has not only mistreated its artists, but it's mistreating its consumers. They as made well. it feel, and both of those companies made their services at one point feel like a necessity to be a consumer and actually consume entertainment. And now they feel like an option. And that's, that's what's the issue. causing them to fall. Yeah. Is so now some big brains, some big brain action needs to happen. I hope. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know what I, what would you do? What would you make? <laughs> I would make a live stream. I would make a streaming service that's just sheep jumping over a fence so that people Isn't that Sean the sheep? Shut up. So that that people can fall asleep easy and... That's Sean the sheep. You're describing Sean the sheep. No, shut up. It's my idea. (laughs) The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from the Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You want to talk about LA? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, let's let's talk talk about it in the middle. All right. So you're moving to LA. I am. Extremely quickly. (laughs) Extremely quickly. (laughs) Yeah. And so I guess let's talk about it from like, you know, you're obviously we've talked about on the show, you're videographer, photographer, content you know, person basically. Yes. I'm I'm uh, a content guy that's going where I other think it'd content. Be fun. I, I think it'd be do. fun this. Like like what what are your expectations? Like I for for first off, you've been to LA before, correct? But yes. never lived there. Yeah, I've been to LA before. I it's, to be honest, I've never worked in LA. You never um, worked in LA. I've never worked in LA, but I do have friends there. Uh you, you have friends there as well. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's it's one of those places that in the music industry, like it's a very small world, right? And the the three conglomerate cities are New York, LA, and Nashville, at least in the United States. And then I would say tertiary, Miami, Austin. And yeah. Then that's probably it. Yeah. And like a lot of people in maybe Portland, you could argue Seattle too, but that these are the big three, right? <laughs> the big three. And Nashville's been on the come up for the last like 40 it or has 30 been. years. Nashville, if people don't know, Nashville is the world's uh, like publishing uh, HQ, basically. So like all the publishing money for music comes through Nashville and gets distributed out of Nashville. Um, now, LA is still rooted in like traditional media and stuff like that. So like film, TV, uh, sync licensing is really big, especially in the music industry. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of... It's still very like, I've heard like a bunch of stuff of like, you know, you're getting into cinema versus TV is still like, there's still a disconnect between that. Um, I think in terms of the two mediums, the two mediums and the, the, who work in it basically. So like if you're working in cinema, you're probably going to stay in cinema. If you're working in in TV, you're probably going to stay in now, TV. Now, are you personally interested in going to TV or cinema a little bit? Well, now that you're yeah, in LA and I, there's more of a market for it? Absolutely. I, I'm definitely, I'm more interested in cinema, to be 
to be honest, but if we're being brutally honest, uh, <laughs> the movie industry ain't looking too hot right now, especially with streaming. Um, yeah. and, and post pandemic, right. Just, just numbers and theaters and, and all that jazz. So I think filmmaking is having a huge shift. Um, as for me, I focus primarily on music and music photography, videography content. And I, my love is, I mean, anybody who listens to the show knows I'm an indie boy. Yeah. I'm raging indie boy, so. You're not a country music fan? I, you know, I can respect some country music artists Fair. for sure. I And especially, like, um, I love outlaw country, you know. I will stand by outlaw country. But I, I will be honest. I think that country music is, it's, it's falling. Country music tends to repeat itself. And there are some things with country music that I personally just do not like. Yeah. Uh, w- whether it be the way the business is run in country music and even uh, social issues within country music, uh, especially with representation. Um, and uh, would you fundamentally agree that that you know those two issues are a problem with music in general? But you it feel is, like that it is. there's a different level of it when I, it comes to the music that you country would like music. To be in. Y- country music is a huge bubble where if you're in country music, you're staying in country music. Basically, well, you know, would and you argue that that's true of any genre though? I think you can get rooted in, but I think you have a bit more ease outside of country music, especially the fan base. I'm I'm alluding more to the fan base of like country fans are like country fans and like that's what they listen to. It is also true that economically country fans are a little bit more willing when it seems like to give traditional revenue. Yeah. I mean, country makes money like those. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And what's, what's ironic is you would think you would think like the biggest country markets are like Nashville, right? You would, you would think that, but like in, in general, the biggest country markets are New York city, LA (laughs) because the people want escapism and that's how it goes. But yeah, I, I personally, I'm, I'm moving for a lot of different reasons, right? I'm moving because work. I want to I work in different genres of music besides country music. Um, I also want uh, to, you know, be with my partner uh, as they transition into a new job out there. But also, um, I, I just feel like it's a good experience for me personally because I've always, I grew up in Nashville. I am, I've been born here. I was born in Vanderbilt. I grew up in uh, Brentwood, Franklin. Uh, I, before you say I'm a preppy asshole, you okay? are a preppy asshole. <laughs> I, I I will say I was in Franklin before it became bougie, 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 and then I was the poorest kid. He was in raised our, on the street. I was the poorest kid in my Brentwood oh my God. neighborhood. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I I grew up. <laughs> I mean, I would say there was parts of my childhood where we had money, and parts when we didn't. Right. You know, for sure. Uh, for sure. So up and down. But traditionally, uh, Nashville didn't always treat me very well, to Fair. be honest, especially with my family came from uh, all over the place. And I think it's just time for a change up, you know, and I'm excited to see like how the music industry is different in in Los Angeles. All right. Well, I mean, that's that seems pretty good. And so, I mean... Are, are you, you going to miss me calling? I, I will miss you. It's going to be, it's going to be, we're going to, we're going to move on. The podcast is still going on. We're going to do it virtual. Maybe we'll have that cool, like 
ninety ninety crop or something. Yeah, but, uh, it'll be dope. Yeah, uh, but I, I think uh, it's going to be a great place for you. I'd be very interested. I think that's why I'm, you know, been calling you my LA correspondent to see like. <laughs> You know, and I think our viewers would be interested, especially from here, for you to hear your experience from the Nashville market going to L.A. Mm-hmm. and maybe seeing like, hey, this is a little different. I mean, when, I mean, things that come to note are like unions are actually a thing in L.A., yeah. and New York and stuff like it that. It is true. So you'd have, you know, actually encounters unions, unions exist. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, obviously, like you're saying, the cinema and TV world has that's their base of operation is in LA. So it'd be interested to see you kind of explore that because, you know, music and TV and movies all have this kind of like, you know, crossing arms kind of solidarity to each other where they meet up and help each other out. Mm -hmm. So it'd be interesting to see that. So I think, I think you got a very bright future there. I'm just interested to see, you know, and I'm sure our listeners are from a perspective, especially if you're not from, you know, LA and you go to LA, what's the difference from that? And a way, way different music market. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, mean, that, that's the thing is LA is much more competitive just over overall. Like it just is right. Yeah. So you have to be on your game. You have to know your shit basically. And I would say, um, I'm lucky that I've been working in Nashville for, um, a good you, amount of years. You wouldn't trade point. that, would you? Would you have been like, I would have, should have just started in LA? No, I, to be honest, I, I'm glad I spent my time in Nashville. Nashville is a very special place. And, um, a lot of the teams I've worked with in Nashville have been absolutely amazing and a dream to work with. And to be fair, I mean, Nashville gets this rep, right? Where you like come to Nashville and you reinvent yourself before like you get famous and then you move to LA. Basically, yeah. that's like what you do essentially. Um, but I do think there is something to that where it's like you are you learning the ropes when you are a small fish in a smaller pond and yep. you eventually become a bigger fish in a smaller p- pond. Not saying that I'm a big fish in Nashville. Huge fish. Name. Yeah, I'm. I'm the Don't king fuck of. With I'm them. the king of Nashville, yeah. baby. Uh, but yeah, it's it's one of those things that I I feel like with that though you do get into a a very like easy headspace and like you become very like not saying that everybody because de- it definitely depends on what you're doing. But Nashville is very easy to fall into. Like this is like this is my everyday and this is easy at this point, you know? I think it'd be interesting to see the difference in competitiveness Mm -hmm. in terms of like, you know, there's just so many more people like population wise and the industry has so many things. I'd I'd love to hear some stories when you, you know, you know, maybe have to go down and be like, Hey, this is my rate. This is their rate. You know, I do this, I do this or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Would be also really interesting to hear about is, I mean, you're going from effectively uh, literally a zero tax state tax to California as a freelancer, which is a lot of tax, which is a lot of taxes, (laughs) which I mean, you can have whatever opinion you want about that, but it's, it's different. So I I think, I think it'd be interesting to hear your experience. So that look forward to that in future episodes. I'm definitely going to ask Joe like, Hey, what's going on? (laughs) Colin Colin is going to go through my tax documents on live Live podcast. Of course, baby. we'll be live on TikTok doing it. Yeah, uh, dude. We'll be social sure to broadcast my social security number. Yes. All uh, right. Yeah. I, I, but we'll keep up with it. I do think it'll be interesting to talk to fans. This will be a know. reoccurring segment. I literally, you're my <laughs> Joe check Yeah, literally. <laughs> The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans, and yet. 
there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Oh, last story. We got Scooter Braun coming back in. Ooh, All right. I can't wait so, to talk about this. Oh, my God. I found this interview really last minute, and I was like, I have to listen to this because it's about Scooter Braun. And Scooter Braun was talking in this interview about his company, Ithaca Holdings, who bought Big Machine Label Group, who you may remember owned all of Taylor Swift's masters, and then he sold them off and then to Swifties Shamrock got mad. and they got super mad. Got anyway, super mad. the article I'm linking is from Digital Music News, as well as all of our articles are below, but I'll also link the YouTube video, because I, I, I swear to God, they do a really good job at summarizing about... Taylor's part of it, you know, and his comments on Taylor and that whole relationship, which I will get to. Mm-hmm. But the one thing they miss out is this interview is so bizarre. Yeah, and like, it kind of is. I literally came up to Joe in our house and I was like, Joe, you have to watch They're this. asking the most random questions. Okay, so we'll, we'll, I, let me get into this. I will tell you guys what is going on with this. Like, so first off, this interview took place on MSNBC's The Beat with Ari Melber. <laughs> and, uh, the first 20 minutes, I'm not going to lie to you, are pretty snooze-festy. It's like very like, stay true to yourself. Keep pushing. Believe in your music. Right. Believe in your music. 
Uh, and then like, <laughs> and you then know, they fail to mention. Make, also have a million dollars worth of uh, assets that your parents give you. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know stuff where they're saying, hey, you know, this is Justin Bieber's manager. This is Ariana Grande's manager. This is this is Scooter Braun. You know, explaining who he is and how his fame as a manager has kind of affected him and everything. Which fun fact I learned from the video: I never knew that Drake was in a Baby by Justin Bieber's music video. He was. He's in the music video for Whoa. "Baby" by Justin Bieber. And Can, he, isn't it wild that we're like we were kind of young when that video? He's came only out. three years older than us, Justin yeah. Bieber. So it's like I don't know. I just wasn't really paying attention to it. No, I, I mean I didn't have a, a an eye for that. But yeah, he's in the video. They clip it in the interview. They go, "There's Drake," and he and literally Scooter Braun's like, "I've literally known him since that video before Drake was like super super big. He was still a rapper, but it wasn't you know." The, literally, I think Ari says the artist of the decade. And I'm like, yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ari starts speaking to Braun. And in about 22-ish minutes, it just starts getting really <laughs> weird. <laughs> and so I thought I would play some clips for y'all just to show how weird the editing is and to show you kind of like... I think this shows a very important window of like the idea of that this is a recording and you can edit it. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people in their minds, it's, you know, people think like, oh, we just turn on interviews, just turn on the camera and they don't do anything else. And I'm like, no, they cut things around. There's a lot of editing involved. So they did some weird shit and I want to play it to you. First, Scooter is talking about being authentic and how he thinks it's very important in your career, which I agree with. I think he does pretty good at that. And I'm going to play you this clip and I want you to pay attention. I did not edit this clip. I just got, I like, I edited obviously the start and then it ends, but the part that sounds weird was in the actual interview and you can tell when it's a different stop and start and you'll understand what I mean. So Ari asks him, he goes about being authentic. Uh, he says, is it more important now than it was before in a digital age? And I'm going to cut to this clip again, pay attention to the cut and I'll show you right now, Joe. And something that's human is more relatable. Has that dynamic always been true, or is it more pronounced in our mediated age? Um, I think that, look, David Bowie before could wear the costume and then disappear into his life and take it off. You know, take the makeup off and just be David Bowie. Um, I think now in today's age, because of social media and because of smartphones, it's more important than ever to be real and authentic and true to your to who your brand is. But to be very clear, whether David Bowie's wearing the makeup or not, that's still David Bowie. Right, and he's a great artist. It's David Bowie. So, <laughs> do you see what, it's okay, David Bowie. Okay, yeah, you hear that clip in the middle where he goes like, "To be clear," and yeah. I think that is so funny because I don't know if it was him realizing it or later, but someone definitely went, "Uh, you might not want to say that the defining char- characteristics of Bowie's artistry were for a show or facade." Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because they like clip out to him further out too in the yeah, video. It's like a different grade. Yeah, and I just think it's so funny. Like that he literally was like, this is bad. Nope. Nope. Let me redo that. Ari. And then Mm. like Ari tries to be like, and he's a great artist, isn't he? And he's like, yes, he is. (laughs) Yes. Okay. And then another favorite part is then when the scooter goes on a pretty well thought out, like apprentice mass, like, you know, you know, learning commentary about like apprenticeship and all this kind of stuff. And he's like quoting this mastery book and stuff like that. I thought it was very well put together. Mm -hmm. And then Ari just goes off the deep end. Like basically he starts talking about like, I'm trying to help the next generation of music. 
and you know trying my best here and then Ari just shoehorns this in and you'll see what I mean when I play the clip for no reason just a Hail Mary my job is to help and eventually the goal is for them to go and be able to do it on their own um and and uh and that's that's my hope for everyone I work with that they're going to become as capable in every aspect of their life as they should be so we're talking about talking to Jay Balvin about that political struggle and your comfort or your mastery, to use your word, in some of these fields. I mean, you've guided people through. I said the book says mastery. I'm, <laughs> I'm figuring it out. What would them. you call it? Um, I have a role and I hope that, you know, one day I might not be in that role. And I hope that uh, everyone continues to win whether I'm there or not. You've also said that as a dad, Donald Trump's leadership was a problem, was an ethical problem. Uh, do you think about him running again? Do you worry about that? Or that's not where your focus is right now? Um, I haven't thought about it much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know why? Because he's not in fucking politics. He's not in politics. <laughs> he's an artist manager. <laughs> I just love the fact of, as a dad, <laughs> like, that would be like, weirdest... I haven't thought about it much, buddy. <laughs> like, I'm sure he's thought about it. Like, everyone's thought about the president and what they think. But I just think it's so funny that he gets so caught off guard and he's like, as a father... What is your opinion of Donald As a Trump? Christian, right. I know, but that's just so weird. Yeah, it would just be like if you just said anything else unrelated to the topic you were saying. Yeah. Um, as a father, <laughs> do you think that Sam Raimi's Spider-Man is better than... <laughs> like, what? No. I, I don't get it. Like, we put... Especially media, I just feel like we've put these, like, people who are supposedly super successful higher social status Great in, 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 in like these yeah. in these in they we ask them these questions that like they have to be perfectly frank no business answering because like it's it's like he has he's been not vocal. a political expert yeah right and he has been he has said like i don't like donald trump which is like, totally fine for him to say but if we're interviewing the man about his fucking career literally the first why are we talking about yeah, that are about his artistry takes and all this stuff and he just literally as she's on no transition as a father uh no but like it's so ridiculous anyway moving on to taylor's mastery stuff like, uh, God, I, I gotta, I gotta tell it's you. A, it's a, it's a wild ride. <laughs> so I guess we'll call it, I didn't mean to say Taylor's mastery, but we'll call it that Taylor's mastery of the situation. But also Braun is trying to take it back. So Taylor's masters. Basically, he has a few things to say about that. He said, quote, the person who owned Taylor's masters throughout her career was not myself. And I was buying a record label. I actually said that to the group. If at any point she wants to come back and be a part of the conversation, please let me know because I wouldn't do this deal. Braun tells Melber. I was shown an interview which has now been made public where she stated that she wanted to move on that that negotiation and wasn't interested in doing the deal anymore. Now, what he's talking about, which you may remember literally like a year ago, is we were talking about that there was this alleged deal where Big Machine would get ownership or Taylor would get ownership of her records back via Big Machine in some new contract. And this is where it kind of, that's like the baseline that I can say. And then it gets into like, she said this, the label said this. And so like, the alleged deal was all over the place. Taylor claims that, you know, she would have to deliver an album every time to get an album back. And then Scott Bruschetta, who's the head of Big Machine, claims that she would get 100% ownership of all of it right away if she signed the deal. Taylor claims it was for 10 years. 
Uh, you know, Bruschetta says it was her seven. Taylor also claims there was an NDA which required that she couldn't disparage Scooter Braun and was afraid that Bruschetta would immediately leave her to whoever he sold the company to. So it's like really up in the air, like two sides, completely different. Maybe they were trying to negotiate and maybe they're saying it different ways to appeal, you know, to their fans. Yeah. Either way. Um, so Scooter also claims he's interested in, which I thought was hilarious and wasn't mentioned in the article, but I clipped it from the video is that he's interested in artists getting their masters back and thinks that they're very important to get their masters back and they should have the right to get their masters back, but puts the important caveat of a fair market value. (laughs) And he goes, which seems very fair market value, which seems very strange for scooter to say as Taylor from both sides did not get that. Both her and Big Machine were like, yeah, we never offered her outright to buy the Masters. Yeah, no. And so it seems weird for him to say that. I get it. He's like buying a company and then he's making that deal. But I feel like it was very obvious that Taylor wanted to have something with it. And so even after he bought the company with his company, Ithaca Holdings, that he could have been like, hey, Taylor, what's going on? Would you like to talk about buying this? I know you were trying to do something with them before, but fuck that. I own the company now. Mm-hmm. Um, so he also sold that, remember, to Shamrock Holdings for $300 million. And Taylor's net worth, was, which was alleged to be, in 2019, $360 million. So she would, lit- she would have to lose a lot of it, supposedly, alleged you know, net worth, because they kind of have to calculate it. But it might be that much to her. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Shamrock Holdings thought it was a good investment for $300 million, so it's not like she's going to get nothing out of the old recordings if she had the offer to buy it. But it would be a lot of her money, which I don't know if, again... Oh, well, really, sky's the limit now because people were saying Elon Musk's money isn't liquid, so maybe Taylor Swift's money was liquid. Who knows? Um, Scooter, in my opinion, also seems to suggest that the conversation between Swift and the label basically shut down and that he can't do anything if people won't talk to him. Yeah. So I guess, <laughs> sure, Scooter. I mean, I you know, if that's really what happened, but I just, it doesn't feel very like you tried your best to communicate with them mm. and everything or... He, he seemed, you know, I tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. He said, I'm not going to say anything bad or anything like that. Maybe he did try to reach out. And she was like, no, fuck you. I don't know. We don't know, which is the crazy part about it. Yeah. And so this is the part that I thought would be interesting to talk about because I think you and me have had this conversation a lot. He specifically takes aim at Taylor at the end for weaponizing her fan base. Going mm. on with, quote, the artists I work with have very large fan bases you don't do that. It's very dangerous. There's people in the fan base who have mental health issues. There's families involved. I think that's very, very dangerous, specifically saying that Swift was doing that. Yeah. And so other than the interview being absolutely bizarre, do you think Taylor Swift weaponized her fan base for this deal? And it, I mean, we're in hindsight now, like, right? Yeah. We're, we're not two weeks or a month out. We are literally a year away from when she bought it. Do we think in hindsight that she weaponized her fan base? Mm, I think it's hard to claim that she we- weaponized it, um, but she definitely used it <laughs> to get people's attention. Would you believe that saying kind of, I mean, to be honest, it didn't seem to me that she made some direct call to action where she was like, go harass Scooter Braun and his family, which they were rightfully so harassed by Taylor Swift fans. But is saying nothing 
to the contrary of that, never saying, hey, leave Scooter alone or do something. I mean, at least everything I've found, has, I've never seen her say, hey, don't do that, don't yeah, do Yeah, I think in that case, yes. Do you think, yeah, so you think nothing is an action in itself in this case? Yeah. Yeah. She actively chose to to not tell her fan base to calm down, essentially. And, and um, it's interesting because I, I think that has, for Scooter, again, he sold this so fast. I mean, he could have kept the Masters and tried to monetize it for years. But as we said at the time, I do really think he sold these because of how much it was coming on him. He's a prolific artist manager. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be seen as the artist manager that's taking away art from the artist. And so it'd be really hard to recruit clients and for people to work with you. So he dumped that as soon as he can. Like could, it seems like. And if you go look at the interview now, I mean, this interview only has like, 9,000 views or something, almost 10K. Mm-hmm. All the comments are like, excuse me, Scooter. Um, and like all <laughs> like, of them are Expecting like him to read the comments, which yeah. I'd like to point out, uh, which he is definitely not doing. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they, it's a it's a lot of Swifties in the comments for sure that are that are. Uh, uh, all heated. of them are. I'm literally reading them now. Like I don't even. I, I saw one. I see one fantastic yeah. interview. <laughs> You're both remarkable people with great life values. Keep it up, and the world will change because of you. What is this, a greeting we card? <laughs> Do you think like, that Scooter made that account? <laughs> Just to- yeah, oh my God. No, he's, uh, to be fair, he probably is too busy to make it. He made his assistant. No, uh, <laughs> no but like, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I feel this weird thing with fan bases where weaponize the term. I mean, he did say weaponize. Like, is very directional. It feels like you are, when you say you weaponize something, you are doing it on purpose. Yeah. Like you are making the action saying, hey, go do this. To say that, I mean, I do think Taylor coming out, she knew that it was going to make some waves and knew somewhat of the impact of her statement. And I think like at the baseline, she has the right to be upset and she has the right to be like, hey guys, can I get some empathy here for you know, not having any of my music anymore or I had to sign this deal Mm -hmm. and I couldn't buy it outright. Yeah, I get that from Taylor completely. And I think she has the right to say to her fan base, I think this is really shitty. But what I think is weird is like, you know, there there were literally people going, hey, I'm going to go find Scooter Braun and his family. I'm going to go after Scott Bruschetta. I'm going to go do all this stuff Yeah, because of Taylor. Literally, and you can find it online. I don't think, you know, I don't think it was thousands of people. But, I mean, if you go look in the comment section of the video, you'll see these people are vehemently against them. Mm -hmm. And it does, you know, in some aspects hurt them if, you know, you get someone who's really over the line, like physically or mentally, like, you know, stalking or something crazy like that, which I don't know. They allege that that happened to them, Scooter did, and stuff like that. But... At the same time, it's like, what do artists have a responsibility for? Are they responsible for mediating, you know, not to be Spider-Man again, but with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> okay, like Toby. Okay, calm right. down, Toby. Um, but like <laughs> The ghost of Toby came into the room. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's like, do they have this responsibility with this fame? I personally believe they I do. I think they do. I don't think it would be crazy... And I don't think it's it's terrible to know the amount of, you know, pressure and also notoriety you have to cause people's 
opinions to change on different people and actions to occur. I don't think it would have been out of this world. I don't think she had to make an apology. I didn't think she had to do any of that, but I don't think she had to go out there and say nothing. I think maybe it would have been like, hey guys, I am very upset about this. This is fine, but please don't harass Scooter and his family. We can just know that Scooter is a bad person together, but you don't have to actively go after him Mm -hmm. and stuff like that in terms of, you know, physical threats or something like that. I don't think that's crazy to say that out loud. You can go, you could say he's a shitty person. I yeah. think he's done some shady things. Like we've talked about on the show. But I stay away about from in, his wife and kids. I talked to, know? yeah, I talked about it on the newsletter. Like, you know, that whole kid Leroy thing was weird. Like I don't, I don't understand what's going on with that, but they seem cool, but I'm not going to say it's not weird. And I think there are some weird shady things that go on, but at the same time, I think that there is a responsibility on Taylor's end to go, Hey, I have so much power in people's lives that, you know, I do have the right to express my emotions. I do have the right to do that, but I also have the right and in my opinion, personal responsibility to, to say to my fans, Hey, but don't do anything though. Don't like, mm-hmm. you know, harass the, his wife and kids on the street. Don't go find scooter in the middle of public and throw shit at him. Don't go do that. Like we can all know he's a shitty human being and not resort to like really terrible harassment tactics yeah so i don't know i mean it is it is like when you get that massive anything you say has influence i mean that's the influence do i think like do i think one of or the other one is like winning quote unquote you know like the well if we're looking at public perception i honestly do think taylor swift is winning i think it depends on right now i think scooter saying this has exposed something but you know to a lot of people but, like, again, this video only has 10,000 views. And Taylor yeah, Swift and can say shit and, like, have 2 million views, which I don't blame her because Scooter Braun isn't, isn't an upfront personality in the same way that Taylor is. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's not his responsibility to be, like, toe for toe. Every response I have has to match the same level of, you know, people that Taylor does. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I do think that he, in the interview, seems reserved. Um and respectful in the terms of like, I'm not going to mess with this, but also to go against Braun a little bit. What part of that is just being like, I don't want to risk this for my business because I want to be more of a multimillionaire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I get it. If he was coming from the aspect of, well, I don't want to hurt these people that work for me and like their families. That's fine. But we don't know what his motivations are in that factor. Yeah. So like you can't rule out the fact that he, he could just be like, I would like to be even more successful. And he keeps talking about David Geffen in the interview. Like, and he says, I'm not a David Geffen yet. Maybe he <laughs> thinks like I can be a David Geffen, but I have to, you know, shut my mouth right now and just say like one thing, you know what I mean? Not say like, go on and be like, she did this, she did this, she did this, she did this. Just say like, Hey, I thought that was bad. And it yeah. hurt my family. I mean, to be honest, I think no matter what he says, people are going to hate him, unfortunately. Um, but people still working with him. People and, are. I mean, and it's because he's established himself so deep into the to the music community. And I don't know. I, I don't know what combination of it is. Like, I mean, I'm sure if you're, you know, a high priority of Scooter and everything, if uh, you feel like you have personal attention of Scooter and you have the ability to go to crazy different giant managers, you might think he's awesome because mm-hmm. he treats you awesome. That's great. But you might also, you know, be a lower one on the totem pole and feel like, hey, Scooter doesn't do shit for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
And so, like, I don't want to go against him and people who have had generally good experience with him and doubt their experience. But mm-hmm. Taylor also has had an incredibly terrible experience, it seems. And other artists have, have come out and said, hey, this isn't cool. And so it's not like a, oh, we need to make a verdict right now about Scooter Braun. Is he great or is he terrible? It's like, let's just note this in the history of Scooter Braun. Let's just, like, take a pen and be like, anytime Scooter Braun comes up, remember this. You can't just be like every time Scooter Braun, you know, wow, he did that Demi Lovato documentary. It was so good and so transparent and he was a part of that and he's Demi's manager. Yes, that's true. He did a great job and helped, you know, show Demi's voice, but he also did the thing with Taylor Swift's masters. You know what I mean? Like that you always have to note that and it's not just like a black and white issue. It's a, let's just, let's just remember that. (laughs) Yeah. A little notation in there. We all got a little notation sometime or another, you know? Yeah. Just like I, I know, I know people are going to clown on me for my uh, my Brentwood uh, Franklin statements. I will. That's, you know, it's deserved. It's deserved. It would be great. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. 
Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. All right, Colin, what have you been listening to? Um, I have been listening to Neo. Uh, I don't know if you remember who Neo was. Uh, Neo always from the had, Matrix. No, uh, Neo oh. the artist. Neo <laughs> had the white fedora hat. Yes, you remember? He was a contemporary of Usher. Mm-hmm. He kind of had the same thing that Fifty Cent and Jerule had, but it was with Usher, where they were very confused with each other for a lot of people a lot. Yeah, but he has a very distinctive sound that I think is different from Usher in a lot of different ways. Um, but like he, his main song is closer where it's like, I can't remember how the fucking like words are, but like that everybody, the point is, is I got <laughs> onto it because of uh TikTok because people are just clowning on him because they were like, why is Neo always wearing that hat and just going, you know, that's, it's okay. I will say it's coming back. That's the fashion. The main song is called closer. And if you know what Neo is, it came out in 2000. And it's from this album that is so of its time. It's so corny. <laughs> it's called Year of the Gentleman. Oh, and God. the picture the is him putting on a no. fedora, which is his signature. No. But it's been ruined by the internet, in my opinion. It's <laughs> to be like, the year of the gentleman, m'lady. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and everything. <laughs> but yeah, I really like it. Uh, I, I like that whole album. I was listening to it at work. And... Um, I like Closer. I like Miss Independent. 
Uh, I also like Why Does She Stay, which is like a really, honestly, for like a pop kind of artist like him and like soulful artists, it's crazy because it's very, it's very just like gratitude focus. It's like, why is she still with me? Like, it's really funny in the beginning because she, he literally goes, she does all the dishes and I don't do any, <laughs> like literally any, and like, it's so funny to me. I just wanted to <laughs> go, go a, a vastly different direction. with that. Lyric. She does all the sweeping. Oh no. <laughs> and I do none of it. No, Colin, we're going to get canceled. <laughs> I just, it, it's so funny because like, it, I, I do think it's supposed to be sweet. I did, and I do think it comes across sweet, but it, but is, it is just a product of its time. It's very much a product of his time, but I mean, which he is two thousand four? No, two thousand eight. Oh, even worse. Um, no, she he he does ask the question of like, you know, why is she with me? I'm such a piece of shit, basically. <laughs> um, and so I like it for that. It's very yeah. Here it goes. She hates that I don't do dishes, even though I mess up the most. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's so funny to me. If you want to like a laugh, you can listen to that. But yeah, it's very 2008. Someone told me it's very middle school dance if you're around our age. Yeah, so sounds about right. Pretty good. Joe, what have you been listening to? Um, I've been listening to a bunch of different people, actually. Uh, I finally uh, opened my Spotify Discover playlist, playlist uh, which was wild. But, you know, I've been listening a lot to Rosalia, um, that her record... Uh, Motomami, um, which is a very interesting record production wise. And I think, you know, even if you're not into necessarily like Latin uh, music, uh, you should definitely give it a shot, especially if you're into pop music or hip hop. You would definitely, definitely love the production of that record. Um, Also, discovered a group called Ill Peach. That's I L L. Peach spelled out, um, and their uh, single "Gum," which is incredible. I love that song so much. And you know what? I'm gonna throw one more in there, Colin. Uh, we got a shout out, Muna, uh, with their newest single, "Kind of Girl," um, which <laughs> with is their amazing. song "To the Moon." To uh, the Moon. <coughs> well, is we're that the gonna cowboy be going video? to Muna. Yes. Okay, that's what yeah. I was trying to figure out. It's pretty dope. They're all like um, dressed as like cowboy. Uh, you men. said you're leaving Nashville, and you're like, and, they're okay. pretty dope. <laughs> they're dressed up as cowboys. Hey, hey, it's 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 chic in. LA. I want to get away from country music. Uh, <laughs> they're dressed up as cowboys, and they wear uh, they have mustaches and uh, cowboy hats. I think it's, yeah, it's really dope. different from the But they're in a de- they're in a desert, Colin. <laughs> We're not in a desert. We're in humidity forest bullshit. Pretty much out here. I don't want this swamp. Drain the no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, so bad. Don't do that. Do you, Colin? Um, what do you think about Trump? No, okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Biz Day podcast um, and sticking around. I uh, love you all. I will be, um, I guess, seeing you or I guess not seeing you, maybe. I don't know. In LA. Do you see your fans personally? I feel them, I feel their energy in the atmosphere. Oh, you're going to be perfect for LA. Oh, it's going to be great. <laughs> I'll yeah. fit right in. Joe, where can they also find you other than in LA? Uh, they can it. find me at a spa. Or Boo, <laughs> you know what I fucking mean. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you can find us at the Biz Tape or you email us at thebiztapepodcast at gmail.com or follow our personals at Pentax Playboy and at Colin Must Smash. <laughs>